Welcome to the Simple Gospel Church Podcast. Raising a generation that will stand for Christ. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you because once again we are in your presence to learn at your feet. Be exalted, mighty God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask that even as we listen to your word, even as we delve into scripture, Father, let your word dwell richly in us in the name of Jesus. Father, let your word enter into us so that we know you. We know you even more, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. We ask that, Lord God, as we know you, Father, help us. Give us the grace, Father, to live like those who indeed know you in the name of Jesus. So that men, Father, will be reconciled to you. So that, Lord God, even, even at the end, we too will be reconciled to you. For it is in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. We may have our seats. Tonight we're going to be... Tonight is simple apologetics, right? Um, what's the question we have on the screen? Can we say that? What is man? Okay. So, I've created slides. And so we're going to be learning with slides. And it says here, it says, what is man? And this is a profound question. Because... There are four basic questions that every human has about themselves and life. The first is this, who am I? First question that people ask. Second is, where do I come from? Where do I come from? The third is, what are the basics of right and wrong? So what are the, what are, what, what are the moral values by which I am supposed to live by on this earth that I am? And the last is, uh, where do I go when I die? Those are the four basic questions, the existential questions, if you want to call it that, that humans have when they try to figure things out. And so you talk to a lot of people and people are always trying to figure it out. We, we as human beings, we are so enamored with this idea or we are so wedded to the idea of knowing ourselves, knowing ourselves, knowing ourselves, knowing ourselves. But for the purpose of this, particular teaching we are going to be focusing on that first question which is who am i and that's why it's called what is man let's turn to psalm 8 which we would go through psalm 8 is a psalm of david and it's a well-known psalm a very popular psalm the bible says lord our lord how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. From the mounts of infants and nursing babies, you have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him? A son of man that you look after him. You made him a little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the sea. 
Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. Amen. 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 This psalm poses a great question. Verse 4 there says that, what is man? This one says, what is a human being? But a lot of other versions say, what is man? That you are mindful of him. What is man? And like I said earlier, it's a profound question. And it's one that scripture answers for us. And that's what we're talking about. It is the fact that individuals as human beings, they do not know what man is. That is why there is so much confusion around the world. I mean, we live in a world where people now want to switch from one gender to the next gender. And that doesn't, that stems from, it's an identity crisis. People have absolutely no idea who they are. But we know who we are. But then who are we? The first thing a man is, or the first thing I would say about that is, man is a creature. Man is a creature. Very first thing is the fundamental thing that we need to understand of ourselves. And for that, let's turn to the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. There are quite a couple of verses, so we're going to look through them rather quickly just to get through everything. So, so verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. It says, You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it. For you are dust, and you will return to dust. This was during the judgment of man, when man fell. And that was the judgment that was pronounced on upon the man said that he would eat bread from the sweat of his brow until that moment when he returns to the ground that he was taken on because he said that for he is dust for man is dust and he is going to return to the dust ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 7 that passage says that and dust returns to the earth and the dust returns to the earth as it once was and the spirit returns to god who gave it Psalm 104 verse 14, it says, He causes the grass to grow and livestock and provides crops for man, cultivating and producing food from the earth. What we find here, we find a general train of thought here. And that is what we just mentioned, that man is a creature. We are created beings. We are made from something. We We are clay vessels, if you will. And then, God then put his spirit into us and then we became human beings, living beings. So the very first thing that we need to understand is that man is a creature. We are made. We didn't come here by ourselves. Because, and this is important to note because it's, it is this, this logic that we then follow to understand more and more what it means for us to be human beings. And Pastor Billy talked a bit about it this morning. We are created beings. We did not come here ourselves. We did not make ourselves. We can't make human beings by ourselves. Humans are trying. They are trying to clone left and right. They are trying to develop 
test tube this and test tube that and create human beings. But they can't. They don't have that creative power. They don't have that creative spark. They are incapable of doing it. So man is a creature. The second thing is that man is nothing. Man is nothing. Psalm 144 verse 4 tells us something. It says that a human being is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. His days are like a passing shadow. Like what is there to man? Job chapter 4 verse 19. It says how much more those that dwell in clay houses. That's talking about the mortal frame. Whose foundation is in the dust. Who are crushed like a moth. Psalm 102 verse 11. It says my days are like a lengthening shadow. And I wither away like grass. Man is nothing. Because ultimately... And there's something that someone always, the son that used to say to me a lot, person says that like, we human beings, like, we're so fragile. Anything can kill us. Anything. That's, I had a, I had an aunt who passed away many years ago. And I remember when I was told about her death, about her passing, I was, I was so shocked because it was one of those situations of, oh, I saw her over the weekend. She was fine. And then a couple of days later, she was gone. And it wasn't like she got hit by a car or anything. Was, you know all those brief illness deaths? He died after a brief illness. He died after a brief illness. She died after a brief illness. That's what happened. And next thing she was gone. And I was wondering to myself, what's going on? Or the stories you hear of someone who just, they cut their finger. And then suddenly there was something, some complication or the other came about and boom, they're gone. Suddenly, there's nothing there. Human beings, we're, we're nothing. We're like grass. We're like the breath of, of the wind. We wither. But then there's a third thing, and it says man is everything. Man is everything. Psalm 139 verse 14. Let's look at that. The Bible tells us there, I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. Other versions will say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's go to Zechariah chapter 2 verse 8. It says, For the Lord of armies says, In pursuit of his glory, he sent me against the nations, plundering you. For whoever touches you touches the pupil of my eye. Other versions say the apple of my eye. So we have three things here. One man is a creature. Two man is nothing. Three man is everything. But then there's something that connects all of these things. And there's something that gives meaning to any of it. And that is simply this. Man is valuable because God has deemed man to be valuable. The value of man comes from God's estimation. Because that's the thread in this. One, we are created. Someone made us. We did not make ourselves. We did not come here by ourselves. The second is that we are nothing in that, like, we're like grass. We pass away. We, we die very quickly. What are we doing here? 
And then the third is that we're everything, but we're everything for one reason, because God has said so. He has said that those who plunder you is like they're touching the apple of my eye or the pupil of my eye. And we know the eye. We have the pupil. All of us have one in the eye. And truth of the matter is that if anyone tries to touch your pupil, by reflex action, you would close your eyes to protect it because no one can touch that. That's, that's sacred. That's intimate. You don't have people just putting their hands all over that. And that's how God values the man. Man is inherently valuable. But we're inherently valuable for one reason and one reason alone. Because God has said so. This is of great importance because if there's any problem that humanity has right now, humanity has what I call a value problem. We have a value problem. Man has a value problem. And because of that, it has led us into all sorts of mishaps, into all sorts of problems, into all sorts of misunderstandings about who we are and what that means. The value that I place on myself is not because of anything that I am or anything that I can do, but it is because of the one who made me and who has said that I am indeed valuable. Because ultimately, it is the maker of something that can ascribe any value to that thing. And it's the only one that can ascribe the right kind of value to that thing. And so you and I are valuable. Again, not because of anything that we have done. And not because of anything that we have. But because as God has determined that we matter. So, man is inherently valuable. Man's value lives and dies on the estimation of God. And man's value only bears fruit when we do as God leads. The one who gives value to something must by necessity be greater than that thing. And that is why man cannot give man value to man's self. Because we are not greater. And so, when this greater thing gives value to the lesser thing, that thing bears the value of the one who, who said that to it or it. And God has deemed us so valuable to the points that he gave us was most important. God, God puts out our value when he sends Jesus to die for our sins. Matthew chapter 13 has a series of parables about the kingdom. And that's where you get the parable of the pearl. That a man had pearls and then he found one that was the most amazing pearl ever. So he sold everything he had just to obtain that pearl. And in that moment, the value of that pearl, the value of that pearl is everything the man has because that is what he gave to get the pearl. And so, the value of something is what someone is willing to pay for it, to have it as his own. And God has done so through the death of Jesus Christ, so that you and I can be saved. But then, Pastor Billy was talking about something. He said that the moment the microphone stops amplifying sound and starts to shine light instead, then it's no longer a microphone. It has now become a torch. Right? And therefore, 
that means that the creator of something gets to determine what that thing does or the purpose of that thing for its existence, for its life. So if you follow that thread, man did not come from nothing. If man came from nothing, then man really doesn't have any value because there is nothing that gives man value. But because man has value, then that means that the one who made man is the one who gets to decide how man lives. Because only then can the value of man be realized. So if I was a great inventor and I made a kettle, and that kettle was to boil water, I created a kettle and I said, okay, this kettle is to be boiling water. So I want to put water in it, put it on the fire, and then the water becomes hot. Or electric kettle, I just want to flip the switch and then the iron rods and everything that are inside boils the water and suddenly it's hot. If I made that thing and suddenly I put water in it and then when next I go and check it, I find that the water is frozen solid, then what I have made is no longer doing what I have, what I wanted to do. And therefore, in a sense, it depletes or depreciates its own value. It depreciates its own value. So, I've always wondered what I was going to do with this 500 naira. And this is a tattered 500 naira. I don't know where I got it from. Wait, I remember where I got it from. But you see, this 500 naira, we look at it and it's battered and torn. But for the longest time, it sat on my table and I didn't have the heart to toss it. Because it's 500 naira. It's, it's 500 naira. Like, it's 500 naira. It's ba- I, can't, I can't give this to any conductor that they will, they will take it from me. I can't, I can't put this in the offering basket, obviously. <laughs> Even that one self is a struggle. <laughs> so, ah, uh, maybe that's what I'll try and use it to do. When this battered state is, it's difficult to get to do anything with it. But you see, at the end of the day, because it's 500, I still find it very difficult to toss it. And so, we must realize that that is the mercy that God is having on a lot of people right now. There are a lot of people that are tattered 500 notes. But God is not just tossing them away because like, last, last, he's the one that gave them value. It's all of us that combined, that came together and said that this piece of paper is going to be worth 500 naira. Whatever 500 naira is able to buy, which nowadays is not very much. But whatever it's supposed to be able to buy, that is what it's worth. That is its value. And so we are incredibly valuable to God. Incredibly, incredibly, incredibly. But humanity has a problem in that we do not see this. We do not see that. We do not see how much we matter to God. And this leads us to do all sorts of things. And so I outlined three problems that humanity tends to face when it comes to this thing. The first is that humanity tends to undervalue man. We undervalue man. 
And it's unfortunate. Because if we realize that we're made by this great God, if more people realize it, then we probably wouldn't behave the way we are behaving. So there was, there was something I saw on social media in the not too distant past that really made me start to think on other things. And I realized that it's been a trend for a while. And that is the... I don't know how to put it. It is the... Okay, so someone painted a scenario and said that if a building was on fire and their dog was in that fire and in that fire too the, their neighbor's child was in that fire who are they going to save? And I remember thinking to myself that, ah, save the child now, obviously. But then I said to read and so people were saying, ah, what do you mean? The dog has been there for me for years and years and years and years. And so, like, why will I go? Do I know the neighbor's child? I don't. This dog is, this dog is family. And I remember being shocked at that. But I then started to think about it a bit more. And I started to realize that, wait a second. Slowly but surely, humanity has actually started to elevate animals to the level of man. And you might not think of it as anything, but you see, it is that same thinking that would lead someone to have an abortion. It's that same line of thinking. It is this idea that man is not really anything. If, if I care about this dog enough, then it's just as good as this other human being that is standing here beside me. If I care about this tree well enough, I mean, people are getting married to trees and train stations now. So, if, if I love this tree enough, or if I love this train station enough, then it can as well equate for where a human being is. And that's a problem. Because it fails to recognize that we are made by God. And he has given us value because he gave everything for us. And so humanity undervalues man. It is because they undervalue man. That is why people are promiscuous. Because they're like, yes, body. She be his body. Can you make it? You can't. And but instead you go around, you're saying, my body, my choice, my body, my choice, my body, my choice. But it is because there is a misunderstanding of who made it and who owns it. And so that's a huge problem. But then, there's the other extreme. And those are the people that overvalue man. Those are the ones that will tell you that you are gods. That ye are gods. You too, you are gods. You can do the things that God can do. And that one too is a problem. Beyond the idolatry and everything else that it entails, what it also does is that it tries to place man on a certain pedestal that he does not deserve to be on. So there's a movie that came out recently called The, the Gospel of Clarence, I think it's called. I can't remember. 
Um, I remember seeing the trailer of the movie and I was already like, I don't want to watch this because it was supposed to be um, a story about time of Jesus, Jesus coming about and everything. So the story follows the brother of, I think, Thomas, of the disciple, Thomas the disciple, who was a charlatan, who was a, you know, con man and everything and all of that. And then the story kind of follows. I didn't watch the movie, but I saw a review and everything. That's why I can tell you the synopsis. I've not seen it. I have no idea. But it says that then he started to like see Jesus perform miracles, see a couple of things and that after a while, he himself now came to faith and then came to believe in Jesus. And a couple of Christian magazines reviewed it and were like, well, the messaging is a bit hit on miss, but like at the heart, it still kind of shows that Jesus is the main character. But that's a lie. <laughs> but that's a lie because the central theme of that story was that, oh, because this guy could see the things that Jesus was doing, that he too could do it, and therefore he did not need a Messiah. He did not need a savior. He himself could do it. Okay. Produced by Jay-Z, directed by some person that is in a cult. But that's a whole different story. But the point I'm trying to make is that that is the other extreme that we find of people who overvalue man, who overestimate man, who have made man a god, capable of doing anything. But you see, the problem with this is that it's, it's, a, it's a building built on sand. It's a what they call it, paper tiger, all of these things that like, it looks imposing, but it's really nothing. Because they can't save themselves. These people cannot save themselves. No man can. Man has been trying to do it by their good works, by their philanthropy, by their this and their that. They say, if I live a moral life, I can do this. But you can't save yourself. Because you cannot pay the price that is required for your soul. No man can. Only Jesus could and he did. And the third point that we have here that people try to do is that they try to find their value outside of God. And again, that is a problem. Because like I said earlier, God who created us, our value is gotten from him. I think I'm a valuable person. But I believe I am valuable not because of anything that I have done or anything that I have, but it's because of the fact that God thinks I'm valuable. And that's why. Because again, you cannot derive value from something that is not bigger than you. But now, People are finding their value in other things. And so the question that I then have to ask is that, why are we finding our value in things that are less than us? So we read in Psalm 8 there, said something. It said that you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have put everything under his feet. But then a lot of people are finding their value in money. A lot of people are finding their value in earthly possessions. 
The problem with that is that you're essentially becoming subservient to something even less than you. It's kind of like the thing with the animals. I find it ironic. And I don't think it's I don't think it's coincidental. But I find it ironic. I find it ironic that idols tend to take the shape of animals. I don't think it's I think it's on purpose. That's my own personal belief. But I find it ironic that idols tend to take the shape of animals. And then we now bow to said animals. Do you know, like is a dirtying of yourself to bow to these things because they did not make you they can't make you and they cannot give you value because there's nothing in them ultimately they are nothing just as if man is nothing because at the end of the day what, what makes us something is the spirit that was breathed into us if not we are, we are clay we're just clay forms with nothing. I mean, when we say someone gives up the ghost, we, we consider that they are dead. Why do we consider they are dead? Because spirit has left them. And whatever is left is a simple husk. How much more things that do not even have spirits? Because God did not breathe on any animals. God did not breathe on any of this other inanimate objects that we find ourselves cutting into and bending the knee towards. Our value can only be found in God. This is important because having a right understanding of who we are and the value that we have and where that value comes from, it roots us because then we're not flimsy in our ideas of who we are. Because there are many people in the world who do not get who they are. They don't get where they come from. They don't get who they belong to. But we can't be like them. Because we have been taught through the scriptures who exactly we are. We might be clay. But we are worth everything because God has made it so. It is the choice of God. Just like with the Israelites. The Israelites did not do anything to deserve being the people of God. The Bible tells us that the ancestors came from pagans. So it's not as if they had a special, you know, primordial something they came from. No. So it's the choice of God and he made that choice. And because he made that choice, they are who they are. What then has to be our response to this? Because what we've been able to do so far is that we've been able to look at the things that we can say defines man. What man is. The fact that man is indeed a creature. We are created. That's very important. Because we, the fact that we are created means we are created for something. We are created to do something. That's the entire point. There's absolutely nothing that is made for nothing. Never seen it, never heard of it. So that in itself is incredibly important. It's important for us to understand that we are nothing. And it's important for us to understand that we are everything. Because that's what humility is. I've always said something. I've said that 
the simplest way to define humility is a right estimation of oneself. It's being able to actually see who we are. It's not overestimation. It's not underestimation. But we go low because ultimately, we really are nothing for God. And so what is our response to this? There's only one real response. And that response is submission. Let's turn to the book of Matthew chapter 4 verse 19. The Bible says, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Other verses or other, um, yeah. And he said unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What Jesus was saying here, he said, I would make you fishers of men. He didn't say, I'll teach you to become fishers of men. He did not say, I would imbue in you the techniques of fishing. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. There is a formation that is there. When Jesus called to these men to follow him, he wasn't asking them to simply, oh, okay, just be trotting behind me. You know, when I was in secondary school, I tell the secondary school joke a lot. This secondary school story is a lot, but I saw a lot. It was very common for a senior to just be walking by and saying, it's you, 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 follow me. And if you've been in body house, you kind of, you kind of know that. <laughs> that's, that's not great. But then, <laughs> the idea is, okay, be following behind me. But Jesus was calling them to something more. Because he wasn't telling them that, okay, just simply be trusting behind me. He was saying, become, become my disciples. And when he said, follow me, it means that everything that I am doing, you are going to do. Where I am, you are going to be. And then I will make you fishers of men. I would make you into what it is that I want you to be. Jesus wanted them to be fishers of men. And so he made them fishers of men. And he made them that through discipline. He made them that through teaching. He made them that through their obedience. And that is the only way we can live up to our value. It's the only way. I would be very disappointed if I went to the market with my tattered 500 notes and I asked for crayfish and I was given 100 naira crayfish and I said, okay, and I, and I then hand over the 500 naira notes or I hand over the 500 naira notes and I say, I want, and they gave me only 300 naira worth of crayfish. That, that would be upsetting. Would, I mean, will you take that? Is so in the same vein, why, why do we think that we should live less than what God has purposed for us? Why shouldn't get God get exactly what he made us for out of us? Because that's what we are. We're made to worship him and to enjoy him. We're made to do his will. And we can, only do, we can only do that by submitting ourselves. It would be in the best interest of the invention to submit itself to the inventor. Because that's the only person that can use it right. Only person. No one else. Everybody else will misuse it. Everybody else. 
Because that's how it goes. If you watched the... If you ever saw The Little Mermaid as a kid, I'll never forget the scene where Ariel, when she came on land, she saw a fork and decided to use it to comb her hair. It was funny, but she didn't do any better. So she wasn't using the fork as it was made to be used. No one else will pull out who you're supposed to be, but God alone. Your job can't do it. Your ambitions can't do it. Your workplace can't do it. The people that are telling you that I'll make a man out of you, they're lying to you. They do their best, but then they're not God. They're not. In him we live, and in him we have our being. Only in him can we find fulfillment. Only in him can we find peace. In nothing else. Because nothing else can give us the value of who we are as individuals, as human beings. Let us rise up. I want us to pray. A prayer of submission to God this evening. Oh God, that Lord, I know you made me, and I want, I want to be used as you have made me to be used. I no longer want to live a substandard life. I no longer want to live a life that is not in, in full complement of what it is that you made me to do. And for that to be possible, we must submit ourselves wholly and completely to to God, so that He can do what it is, so that He can make us into what he wants to make us to be. Let us open up our mouth and begin to pray. For it is in Jesus' name we have prayed. I want us to pray on our prayer. Let's ask that the Lord will make us sanctified instruments, sanctified vessels unto honor to him in the name of Jesus. Let's open our mouth and begin to pray. For it is in Jesus' name we have prayed. Father, we give you thanks. Take all the glory. For it is in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. The Simple Gospel Church is a church arm of World Impact Ministries dedicated to taking the gospel all over the world.